Paul mentions people in the introductions or the endings. He always mentions people that he ministers with. Now that's because the Christian life, as Paul models it for us, is involves people. Involves people. There's always somebody around, somebody to be with. You know, you can't have a Christian church unless you have a people. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That's all it's required to have a legitimate Christian church is just a couple people who have assembled together for the purpose of worshiping God, to, to celebrate the ordinances and to worship Him and teach the Bible and pray together and sing together as we've done tonight. The Christian church is a very simple thing. It's not, it's, not, it's not as complex as people think. It's not as complex as we have made it out to be. Uh, one of the constant complaints from Brother Burton when, before they looked for a church out west was that uh, we're too complicated around here. <laughs> He'd always be, he was always annoyed with motions and seconds and, and those kinds of things. He said, let's just decide what to do and do it. Simple. And there's something to be said for just doing things in a simple way. It's kind, of, it's kind of refreshing just to take care of things and, and uh, no nonsense, no fluff, uh, no guff manner. But the Christian church is a very simple thing. But it requires people, requires a fellowship of persons. Now, some of the people that you see in a Christian fellowship are people who are not that impressive. And then there are some who seem to really shine when things get tough. There are those persons who are in there to the very end. If you've ever played a sporting a sports game of some kind, you've probably seen this, where there are people who quit halfway through the game. They don't, they don't play hard all the way through. They don't give their all. And that's, that's very frustrating. If you're on a team and, and you want to win, you want to do well, you play hard all the way to the end, and you see these people who just quit halfway through. It's, it's annoying. And in a Christian church, there are people who do the same thing. They, you know, they're there, but they're not really there. But here at the end of the book of Ephesians, Paul mentions this man, Tychicus, in verse 21. That ye may also know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that ye might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love from faith and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Here at the end, Paul mentions this guy, Tychicus. Now his name means faithful. Not faithful, faithful. And that's because his name is a Greek name. It's really a, probably a Macedonian name. It's, it's a, he was an Asian. He is one of two Asians that ran around with the Apostle Paul. And the other one was named Trophimus. Now his name appears, Tychicus' name appears seven times in the New Testament, and, but only two of those are in actual scripture, in actual scripture. At the end of uh, some translations of God's word, in fact, I think uh, I use the Schofield Bible most of the time, but at the end of Ephesians, after verse 24, do any of you have a little, a little bit of writing right there? It's not in a verse. Maybe there's just a little mark there beside it. What's it say, Brother Benny? written from Rome to the Ephesians by Tychicus. That little section at the end right there is called a colophone, C-O-L-O-P-H-O-N, colophone, which is something that's been added by the editors. 
added by the editors. So whoever was taking this down or editing this particular edition of the Bible added that there. It's in all the Cambridges. It's in a lot of the Oxfords. They leave it out of most study Bibles because they, they say it's not inspired. It's not inspired. But Tychicus names appear seven times. Two times it's in a colophone, just like Brother Benny read to us. Then the other five times he's mentioned by name in the, in the record, in the, in the scriptural record. The first time is in Acts chapter 20, where the Apostle Paul is making his third missionary journey. Now this third missionary journey that the Apostle Paul is taking, the people who are with Paul, they know something's going to happen. Paul has been a Christian minister at that time for about 30 years. He's coming to the end of his ministry. He's not going to retire. He's going to die. And as Paul's making this last trip, he seems to know it, and everybody else seems to know it. The way he is carrying himself, everybody can tell something's different about this trip, this trip. In Acts chapter 20, Paul has difficult times, and then he goes from Miletus, and he goes to a place called Ephesus, where these people are at, where Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, and he has Tychicus with him. And Paul has a meeting there with the Ephesian elders, and he cries when he talks to them. They, he spends time with them, and he's crying, and he tells them he loves them, he's concerned about them, he wants them to continue being devoted to Jesus even after he's gone. And he, and he says, this is probably the last time you're going to see me. So he's filled with these deep emotions. And Tychicus is right there for those things. His other mentions come in Colossians, Titus, and also here in Ephesians. He's mentioned a couple times in those places. Now, every time Paul mentions Tychicus, he says something about him. Here in Ephesians, Paul calls him a beloved brother and faithful minister. A close friend, he says here in verse 21. You see, see the reading? Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. Somebody Paul is relying upon. He calls him faithful. and He's a beloved guy. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul calls him again a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant, someone who is serving the same purpose that Paul is. Paul is a missionary. He's an evangelist. He's taking the gospel to places where the gospel does not exist. He's preaching. He's taking the light of truth into dark places. He's going to where there are sinners, just like you guys and me, teenage sinners, senior citizen sinners, middle-aged sinners, little kid sinners, real bad sinners, and then the kind of sinners that we are. (laughs) But we're still not going to heaven because we're sinners. He comes to these people. He's going around preaching the gospel. And Tychicus is a guy who Paul has won to faith through his personal ministry. And Tychicus has felt the call of God to go around with Paul and preach the gospel too. And that's what he's doing. Tychicus Tychicus has spent time with Paul. And Paul has come to love him in a special way. He's helped Paul and served him. And in Titus chapter 3, verse 12... uh, Paul talks about Tychicus, and it seems to indicate to us there that while Paul was in Rome, Tychicus was right there alongside of him, ministering to him. Now you say, well, that's what he's been doing the whole time. The difference is is that in Titus chapter 3, the apostle Paul is writing from Rome. He's in prison, and most scholars say that he writes 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus 
just months, one guy, uh, this guy who writes, Gene Edwards, he says Paul wrote those letters days before he had his head cut off by the emperor Nero. So these are his his last letters. And Tychicus is there right up to the end. Now, if you're hanging out with somebody all the way through their imprisonment and their impending death, that tells us that Tychicus is the kind of guy that he has an endurance about him, that he's a persevering person, that he's someone who's sticking with him through thick and through thin. That's Tychicus, a beloved guy, a faithful brother. Now, Tychicus, he's there to the very end. There to the very end. And so what I want to do now for the next few minutes is to emphasize some of these terms used by Paul to describe Tychicus and to use them sort of as objectives or goals that you and I should shoot for in our Christian life. Shoot for. Now, what, 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 what big sporting event is going on right now over there in Japan? The World Series? Oh, it's the Olympics. And, and I watched a little bit of the Olympics. And then on Facebook today, they're showing, constantly showing clips of all the different Olympic things. I saw the, uh, the, uh, the men's high jump, the guy from Qatar and a guy from Italy. They both jumped, I think it was 235 centimeters. 235 centimeters. Now, a meter has 100 centimeters. That's about 40 inches. If there's 200 centimeters, man, those guys are jumping, what is it, like nine feet maybe? Very high. They're really getting up there. And both of those guys, they both, they both jumped 235. They both cleared 235 centimeters. And then both of them crashed on 237. They both crashed. And then the judges come over and say, hey, it's a jump off now. Here's what you're going to do. And the guy from Qatar, he says, can't we both just have a gold medal? And the Italian guy, the guy goes, yes, you can. And the Italian high jumper, man, he breaks down. He starts crying. He's, he's, I guess he had a real bad injury and fought his way back through. His objective in life for the last four or five years, I guess, has been to make it to the Olympics and win a gold medal. And this guy from Qatar has the chance to, you know, prolong his pain, defeat him, or just share the gold medal with him. And he does. And here is this Italian guy. And when he was jumping, he had his cast on the ground, the cast that he wore on his leg. He put it down there kind of as a good look, as a good look talisman, I reckon. He puts it down on the ground, and he jumps while that's laying on the ground. His whole life aimed, his objective was to win the gold. And then he got to do it. They showed him he was running around like a chicken with his head cut off, shouting and crying and screaming. He was so thrilled to win the gold medal. And I thought, yeah, it's just a gold medal, right? <laughs> but as I watched him run around, I thought, man, here's a guy whose every waking moment for the last four years has been to win the gold medal. His objective. You and I in our Christian life, we need to remember that we do have an, object, an objective, a goal, something we're aiming at. Just because you put, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you trust him as a source of all your righteousness, something big begins inside of you. 
The new birth has taken place, and there is a changing that's going on inside of you, a rearranging of the furniture, a rewiring of your internal house, a rearrangement of desires. And we're supposed to now, as Christians, to be like somebody. Who are we supposed to be like? Supposed to be like the pastor, right? No. Supposed to be like grandma and grandpa. Only if they're good. (laughs) To be like Jesus. That's our objective, is to be like Jesus. You say, well, I can't be like Jesus because of this or that. Well, there's no excuse. This is our objective. Now, the Tychicus here has some things said about him that are objectives that we should try to aim for ourselves. So the first thing Paul says here is he's a beloved brother. What makes a person beloved? And that word beloved may be be hard to understand, maybe. But a a beloved person is a person who is well-loved. They are well-loved. Well-loved by someone. Well-loved by someone. And what is it that causes a person to be well-loved by other people? I mean, you guys think about it honestly. Think about the people in your life that are in your little circle of, of life. Is it the person who's a jerk all the time that you really like and enjoy being around? Is that the person you like the most? Or is it the people who behave in a way that causes you to love them? So let's just put it in a scenario. You, got, you, walk, you walk up to a group of friends, and you got you a new outfit. You got you some new shoes. You got you a new hairdo or whatever. And you come walking up, and, and they say, What happened to you? Did you get beat up? You've been in a fight? Did you fall in a dumpster? You couldn't look any worse. Now, how does that make you feel? Especially when you got your new stuff on. <laughs> I've heard... I had, a, I had a suit one time. It was pinstripe. First time I worked at church, a guy said, what'd you do, join the mafia? <laughs> Did you join the mob? You know? And I didn't want to wear that suit anymore after that, you know? Or is it the person who you walk up to and they say, no matter what you have on, boy, you look nice. Or if they, they notice something small about you, maybe you did change your hair just a touch. Maybe you did get some new shoes and they say, nice shoes. Or you come up and you're, you just look horrible. And they say, had a hard day, haven't you? <laughs> a person who behaves in a way towards you that causes you to feel warm about them, to love them. Tychicus is a well-loved person. His behavior with the Apostle Paul and others by serving the needs of the Apostle Paul and being his minister, knowing that he cared about Paul, caused him to be beloved or well-loved. John Gill says this, and I've modernized it just a touch. John Gill says, he was a brother because he was a Christian. He was beloved because he acted like a Christian. (laughs) Not everybody who says they're a Christian acts like a Christian. Now, I've been a Christian a long time, and Valerie and the kids, they've 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 been around me a lot. And they've seen me, I hope, act like a Christian, but I know for sure they've, they've seen me at times when I did not act like a Christian. We're not going to say tonight that Christians have to be perfect all the time or that they even can be perfect all the time, but as Christians, our objective, our big picture objective should be to be 
Christian to take into our life the teachings and attitudes of Jesus and live them out before others. Being a Christian is more than just a status. Sometimes people say, you know, you say, are you a Christian? And sometime in their life they decided to be a Christian. They got, they got it, you know, it's a status on their, uh, you know, if you got Facebook, you get on there and it says, you know, employed, married, and college and all that stuff. And it's just Christian on there. You know, it's one of your things you got checked up on your box. But there's more to, more, to, more to Christianity than just the status that I'm a Christian. It's sort of like being a soldier. You know, you can say, yes, I'm a soldier, I'm in the military, but there's, it's more than that, isn't there? There's training, regulations, there's responsibility. Being a Christian is, is a big deal. It's a big deal. Jesus even taught, when Jesus was talking to people about becoming Christians, he said, don't become a Christian unless you're willing to lose everything as you follow me. That's what it could cost you. Now, a, Christian, a Christian's life and behavior is supposed to be in a way that endears them to people. Now, the thing that endears Christians to people, that causes us to be well-beloved by others, is not so much our theology. But this is, this is where Christians kind of they get out, out of balance. You can have wonderful theology but not have a very Christ-like way about you. Not have a very Christian way about you. You can have all your, your doctrines straight, but still not be very loving. Now, this is exactly what happens to the church at Ephesus about 60 years, well, 30 years later. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writes, not the Apostle Paul, but the Lord Jesus writes to them in the letter to the Ephesians. And he says, in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast, and hast patience and for, not, and for my namesake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. They had been engaged in theological conflict for so long that they had become hardened and unloving. They forgot that not everybody's going to agree with them on every single thing, and that you have to give people a little space to think about things and come to their own conclusions. I remember one time I was emailing with a preacher and he said we we're talking about Genesis chapter 6 and it says in Genesis 6 that the sons of the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they, the Bible says that they went into them and married them and had children that's the that's a paraphrase my opinion was then and is now that sons of God there is talking about believing men, followers of God who went into human men, who went into human women and married them and had kids with them. But the women were not Christians, and the, the result was the kids grew up without any faith. That was my interpretation then and now. And I was talking with a pastor through email who said that sons of God there meant angels, and that those were fallen angels that came in and, and desired these human women, and they had... They took them as wives and had sex with them and had children with them. And the offspring was some kind of hybrid, half angel, half demon, 
half-human kid, and they became giants, and they later became known as the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> Me and the guy, we had this differing opinions about that interpretation. And he said what he thought, and I, and I told him why, I you know, explained him why I held my position. And then at, <laughs> I think we had written about maybe exchanged maybe 10 sentences between the pair of us. And he said, you're nothing but a heretic. You don't believe the Bible. And he, and he said, the Bible says, he that is an heretic after the second and third admonition reject. He said, so I reject you. I never want to hear from you again. And I wrote back to him and I said, that's really Christian of you, isn't it? <laughs> Just, just so harsh. He could, have, he could have just said, you know, bro, we don't agree, but that's okay. Sometimes people can be too hard-headed about stuff. And you're going to find that to be, as the culture gets more and more polarized over issues like politics and that kind of thing, you're going to find you're going to have to be, going to be a lot more long-suffering with people as a Christian, a lot more long-suffering with people. So Christians, we're supposed to behave in a way that endears ourselves to people. Not so much in our theology, but what should be the, the thing that endears us to people is how our beliefs influence the way that we live. If we lived like Jesus, if we were as... Now, Jesus was, not all, Jesus was not always sunshine and roses. He said some hard things. But overall, Jesus' entire approach to people was merciful, gentle, not hurting anyone. Only yelling at people who deserve to be yelled at, you see. Not everybody. There's a famous quote. And I looked it up today. I tried to find out if it's really true or not. And I really wasn't able to find the source of it. But the, the quote is by Mahatma Gandhi. You guys remember Mahatma Gandhi? He said that he liked Christianity a lot. He liked what he read in the Bible. But he said, I do not care for Christians. I like Christian principles, but I don't like Christians. And what we didn't like about Christians was their social behavior. How they practiced certain kinds of, of ethnic superiority. How they were, he said, Christians are the most warlike people that I know. Of course, the only people he knew were, were, the, were the Christians who made it the British Empire. And they were colonialists. They, they, they were doing a lot of things they shouldn't have been doing. All under the name of Christianity. And that's a real problem. Christians, we need to remember that we are to be like Jesus and to take Jesus' teachings and live by them. Not just the theological... What's, what's the word? The theological part, but also the practical outliving of Christian faith. You got your Bible there, I know. If you turn back to Galatians 5... You see, here's a description of Christians. Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. These are the things that should shine forth from us as Christians. Loving, joyful, peaceful, long-suffering, putting up with being done wrong by others, 
being gentle. This is, this, is what should, this is what our aim should be as Christians, to have these things pouring out of us. And this is the kind of guy, Tychicus, is. he's a well-beloved brother. Paul also says that Tychicus is a faithful guy. He was faithful to the Lord, of course. But this also tells us that he was a dependable, reliable person. That he was, that Paul could trust him. Now what Paul, Paul does trust Tychicus, because when Paul sends the letter to the Ephesians, he writes from prison and he gives the letter to Tychicus. And he gives Tychicus actually three letters. Three important letters. He gives him the letter to the Ephesians, the letter to the Colossians, which is sometimes called the Laodicean letter. And then he sends Tychicus with a, with a, a guy named Philemon. A guy named Philemon. He sends Tychicus with a man named Onesimus, who has a letter for a guy named Philemon. Three, three significant portions of what will become God's word has been handed to Tychicus. He was reliable, faithful, dependable. Paul knows if I give this to Tychicus, he won't lose it. Have you ever done that? Working on something, and you're, you're putting screws in something, and, you're, and you got a whole handful of them, and you need, you need them all to put it back together, and you hand it to somebody and say, hang on to those, and don't, don't lose them. And then, the, you know, you, <laughs> you're ready, and you're like, all right, hand me one of those screws. And they're like, what screws? <laughs> the screws I gave you. What's, I don't remember, I don't know what happened to them, you know. And <laughs> a lot of reliable, dependable, trustworthy. Paul gave Tychicus, Ephesians, my friends, if you like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are you saved, through faith, not, not of yourselves, is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, you've got to give a hat tip to Tychicus because Tychicus safely carried it from Paul all the way to the church at Ephesus. He was faithful, reliable. Are you that kind of Christian? Are you a faithful and reliable Christian? Can you be depended upon to do the right thing? To be responsible? This is, not, this is, this is my own idea here, what I'm going to tell you. I think Tychicus probably was also flexible. Because if there's anything that I've discovered in serving the Lord, is you have to be flexible. Which means you can't always get your own way. <laughs> You have to go with the flow sometimes. you got to be willing to, to bend a little bit to get by. Flexible. Tychicus. Tychicus has a message to tell. In verse 22, last part of verse 21, that Tychicus shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that you might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Tychicus has something to say. This man we know is a gospel preacher. He's been involved in gospel ministry. But this man also brings some news from the Apostle Paul. And Paul wants them to be comforted by what Tychicus is going to say. Now they're worried about Paul. Paul's in prison. Paul seems to be worried about himself even in prison. because He's going through a tough time. But Paul wants them to know that he's okay. And that's, that's kind of big because what, what Paul does is he tells them, that even though he is suffering, he's going to be okay. He has joy. 
so that when the Ephesians are suffering, they'll be encouraged by it. And see, there can be joy in difficulties. One of the great lessons that Paul gives to us in the New Testament is that reading in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Now, you could turn just about two pages probably and look at Ephesians 4, verse 11. Listen to what Paul says. If you have a Schofield reference Bible, it has this heading above verse 10. The victory over anxious care, a.k.a. worry. Verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. That just simply means that the, the Philippians had found opportunities to bless Paul by sending money to him or food or clothing. And they would have done more, Paul says, if you guys could have found my address. <laughs> if they could have found my house, they'd have done a lot more. In verse 11, Paul says, not that I speak in respect of one. He says, I'm not saying I've been lacking or I've been miserable without getting gifts from you. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I have learned that I can be content with whatever God has given to me. So if Paul has a lot of things, he says, I can be content. Have you noticed it's hard to be content with a lot of stuff? Because the more things you have, what do you want more of? More things. If you have, if you have, let's say you have three of five books that make up a collector's edition, a set, three of five. Once you get three, what does it really bug you until you get, get the rest of? You want, you want the whole set. You want the whole collection. You want the whole deal. So sometimes having things creates. It's hard to be content when you have a lot of stuff. If you drive around a lot in Oklahoma, you'll see a lot of cars parked in the driveway. You know why those cars are not parked in the garage? Because the garages are full <laughs> of stuff. Because people, they just keep on buying stuff. I mean, Amazon has those great deals all the time. Paul says, if I got a lot or I got a little, I can be content. Verse 12, for I know both how to be abased, that's brought low, and I know how to abound, that's have a lot. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So I'm instructed by some inner compulsion to be, to be content. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. In verse 13, it's talking about what he just said in verses 11 and 12. Verse 13 is not about, I can take this test because Jesus is going to help me take it. Or I'm going to win this race. Or whatever. He's talking about (laughs) what you really need strength for is being content. Being content with what you have with what you have. Being satisfied with what God has given to you. If it's one thing or two things. Content. Now, Paul's in prison when he writes this. 
He's in prison. And one of the great things that Paul teaches us is no matter where you are, no matter what condition you're in, if you're in prison, if you're in bad health or good health, you can find contentment. You say, well, where in the world does he find contentment? How can you be happy when everything stinks? How can you be happy? You can be happy in Jesus. In Jesus. You say, well, how can I be happy in Jesus? Well, here's what Jesus did for you. Every sin before you were ever born, any of us for sure, before any of us were ever born, Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross for our sins. All the sins that he knew we would, that we would commit, and those were all in the future, in the future. Now, I'm 43 years old and I'm not, and I'm not done sinning yet. I'm, uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'll live to be at least, I don't know how long I want to live. <laughs> I want to live, let's say I want to live to be 83. I got 40 years ahead of me then, Lord willing. So that means I got 40 years worth of days and nights and moments when I'm going to sin. I have been alive for 43 years. But when I, and so when, I, when Jesus was on the cross, all... All 83 years of my sinful life were ahead of him. And he knows, and he knew then, exactly how many sins, how big, how little, I was going to commit. He knew all those sins. He knew the sins I would commit after I became a Christian. And he went to the cross and died for me, graciously and mercifully dying for my sins. And my friends, every day of your life, if you put your faith in Jesus, you can find joy and comfort in the forgiveness of your sins because all your sins have been forgiven if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins, all laid on Jesus. And so when Paul's in prison, he can't go anywhere. He can't wear what he wants to wear. He can't eat what he wants to eat. He can't do the things he wants to do. All he has is what? What's he got? All he's got is Jesus. All he's got is salvation. The Holy Spirit. And Paul says, I have found that I can be content. And that's what Paul says to the Philippians, the Ephesians. He says, Tychicus has something to tell you. He doesn't write it out, but he says, Tychicus has something to tell you so you can know my affairs that he might comfort your hearts. Because what Tychicus was going to do was going to come to Ephesus. He's going to get that church together and he was going to say, look, look, here's Paul's letter. He's going to read the letter to them. And then he's going to say, Paul is doing fine. Well, he's in jail. How's he feeling? Paul's doing fine because he has Christ. My friends, you'll be fine too because you have Christ. Jesus is your greatest possession. Jesus is your greatest possession. He is the jewel. He is the greatest treasure. It's Jesus. One of the great happinesses in life comes from people that God brings into our life. Tychicus was that kind of person to Paul. 
And we could say this of all these biblical characters, that Tychicus, as a comforter and minister to Paul, is a picture of Jesus being a minister and comfort to us. And may God help us to be ministers and comforters one to another. Let's pray together, and then uh, we'll be dismissed.